seat. O night, divine O night, that Christ was born. It was a holy night. It was the night that changed everything. And it was a part of the story, which is the story of all stories that changes every story. And you don't have to understand a ton about the story, but sometimes a little bit of clarification helps. I hope we give you a little bit of that today. Um, heard a story about a family went to Christmas Eve service. They left the church, and Johnny's in the back seat. He's very quiet. He's not saying anything, and mom and dad are all excited. Maybe he's had some new revelation or something really stuck for him. And all of a sudden, though, Johnny says to mom and dad, um, you know, uh, I don't want to go to heaven. They're like, what? Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to go to heaven. I said, oh, wh- why? And he said, I don't like peas. <laughs> oh, what? I don't, I don't like peas. They kept singing, sleep in heavenly peas. I don't like peas. <laughs> so a little understanding can help maybe go... At least a little bit of the way. And again, I hope this morning um, you come away with something, with some different angles or perspective or wonderings about the Christmas story. See, but one of the things that's really grabbed me and stuck with me this season of Advent and, and today is, is one of the most amazing things about the story when we look at the characters. Every key character in the story struggled with their faith. Every single one of them had some sort of doubt. You know, sometimes I think we think about the characters in the Bible that all the stories in the Bible are told about. We think they are somehow these saintly, invincible, completely convinced, perfect people, but that's just not the case. See, there are no perfect people. There are are no perfect saints. There are no superheroes. Even in the story of the birth of Jesus... In fact, not just there, but like the whole Bible is persistently honest about the struggles that characters have to fully believe, to fully believe. Like you'll see sometimes they believe, then they unbelieve, they obey, then they disobey, they trust, and then they have doubt. Yet throughout the whole story leading up to Jesus and during the birth of Jesus and and through the life of Jesus continuing on to us Today, throughout the story, God still does, despite our doubts and our not knowing, he does what he has wanted to do all along, which was to announce a savior to the entire world. So when I look at scripture, and I notice these doubts and struggles in the Bible that the people who were involved in actually bringing Jesus into the world, I think that actually, that honesty in the Bible makes the Bible more trustworthy to me, because they were so honest about their doubt and their unbelief and disbelief, they, they don't try to hide. The writers of Scripture didn't try to hide um, that people struggled to believe. They didn't try to shine it up and polish it up at all. And you think about this story, especially the Christmas story, and you go, well, of course they struggled to believe. I mean, God's story is actually sounds a little too unbelievable sometimes. I mean, think about this. The story of God says... That, that, that God came to earth in Jesus, that Jesus came to be with us and live among us. Um, and if it's true that God did that so we could understand more of what God is actually like, that is good news, really good news. But 
Was the story, sometimes we wonder, was the story too good to be true? Some of us might admit, I, I, yeah, I've heard the stories, but yeah, I'm there. I, sometimes I struggle to believe. Some of us would admit, yeah, I have, I have my doubts. And if that's you today, listen, there are people just like you. There are doubters like you, and I'm in the same boat, like you and me, that are connected to something as important as the Christmas story. Which, for me, is comforting because it reflects actual human life and actually the journey of faith and what faith actually is supposed to look like. I heard another pastor, um, he said something like, um, he said, uh, sometimes people ask me, he said, they ask me, Pastor, do you ever doubt? And he gave them the answer that every pastor would have to give if the pastor is being honest. He said, you can't do what I do and not doubt. You can't do what I do, what we do, and not doubt. You know, for me, um, can I just tell you that as much as I love theology and studying scripture and figuring out answers and ideas in the Bible, what really, that doesn't bring me the greatest confidence anymore. The greatest confidence I have about following Jesus and why it's worth it and why it's Real is when I recognize the real people, the doubters in the Bible, people who unbelieved and disbelieved and misbelieved and rebelieved all over the story of God. So this morning, listen, if you struggle with faith, struggling with faith does not disqualify, does not disqualify you from becoming a follower of Jesus. Because people struggled with their faith. They're actually the ones who brought us the story of Jesus. They also struggled. They had doubts. And and I just want to look at two, how we see this in two of the characters connected to the Christmas story. We could look at all of the characters, but I would like to get home and watch football later. So we're just going to do two, just two. Now earlier, um, we read the Christmas story from, from, from Luke, but if you open up the book of Luke to chapter one, um, you'll see that the way he begins his gospel, it's not with the story of, of Mary and Joseph. It's actually two different characters. A, a man named Zachariah, Zachariah, he was an old man, and his wife Elizabeth, who was also an elderly woman. Luke tells us it was just the two of them. Uh, they had not been able to have children. And Zechariah here in the scripture, he's a priest, and, and in Israel, there were thousands of priests. They would rotate from their village. They would go to the temple in Jerusalem when it was their turn. And when a priest, when every priest had their rotation where they went to Jerusalem to serve for their time in the temple, there was something that each of them hoped they got to do at least one time in their life as they served at the temple. They hoped to go into the most private inner place, the holy of holies. They were hoping one time in their life that they would get to do that, and there was a thing where they would burn incense and offer that to the Lord. But to be the priest, the one priest at a time who got to do that when it was time, you had to be drawn. It was kind of a lottery system. So very few priests ever had opportunity to go and do this thing. But then one day, Zechariah, he gets chosen he gets to enter the most holy place in the temple and he gets to do it again all by himself um, probably it's the best thing that ever happened to him because in his I'm guessing maybe in his disappointment through his life maybe he thought that God had forgotten about him 
But then, now, this happens. So he goes in, and Luke's telling this story. Luke tells us that while Zechariah is in there all by himself, something pretty unbelievable happens. The angel Gabriel now appears to Zechariah. This is not normal. The angel doesn't hang out in there, right? He's terrified, which happens every time an angel shows up. People are scared out of their minds. And Gabriel has some news. He says, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And later, when we read ahead in the story, he becomes John the Baptist, the great prophet, the first prophet for hundreds of years. That's who's born to, going to be born to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Kind of exciting. Here's the news. It gets delivered to Zechariah. So, all of this frame and picture where he is. Imagine Zechariah's there. The angel shows up. Here's his response, verse 18. <clears throat> Zechariah asked the angel, Yeah, how can I be sure about this? Right? Just time out. Like, think about this. It's already a pretty remarkable day, right? First of all, he gets drawn to be in the most sacred place in the temple, the Holy of Holies. And then tops that like an angel shows up and this is how Zachariah responds he responds with doubt I mean he's kind of saying well Gabe that sounds a little far-fetched how's that gonna happen right and I don't know for sure who knows what angels think and I don't know what Gabriel thought but if I was the angel in that place I'd be looking at him going Zachariah what do you mean? How can you be sure about this? Like, dude, an angel has appeared to you, spoken to you. Not only that, like, like today's your big day. We're in the temple in the Holy of Holies, and all this happens, and you need more assurance than that? <laughs> See, Zachariah is a doubter. Zachariah's a doubter. Even though he loves God, even though he's devoted to God, even though he's a priest, even though he knows all the stories of what God has done through history, he would still say, if he was honest, this comment here shows he's saying, yeah, well, sometimes, though, even though I know all I know, I struggle, I sometimes struggle to believe. So, Zechariah does what a lot of us do, you know. You ever try to explain yourself to God? And yeah, He's going to not explain himself to God. He's going to explain himself to the angel who probably reacts differently than maybe God would. But um, he explains himself to the angel like, uh, how can I be sure of this? He says, hey, hey, listen, I'm an old man and my wife is, um, see, Zachariah is old, but he's not stupid. <laughs> my wife is uh, well along in years. <laughs> So, so he's essentially saying, oh, listen, I know you say we're going to have a son. He's going to be this great prophet, but really? So Zechariah right here, he's got, he's got doubts. Even in that amazing situation, which makes me kind of wonder, like in an amazing situation, sometimes we think if God would show up and do this, that, or the other thing, or something supernatural, apparently it doesn't guarantee that we'll trust that we'll have faith. So, 
There's the situation. This is interesting. The angel does not have a lot of room for this kind of nonsense. So Gabe says to Zachariah, if you know the story, essentially he says, hey man, listen, until the day John is born, you're not going to be able to speak. And so, and that does happen, right? And we, we focus in on that part of the story. It's a great part of the story, but, but, but don't miss this. Don't forget this. Don't skip ahead too quick because here's the deal. God knows Zachariah's doubts, but God doesn't reject him and go find somebody else. God still partners with this imperfect man who struggles to believe. God still partners with him anyway. See, because this is the story of stories, and God's story will not be stopped even by our doubts. God is not put off by our lack of perfect faith. I don't know about you, but I think that's good news. It's good news for me, and maybe it is for you, because it means your faith doesn't disqualify you. You may not have the answers, maybe you've believed and then disbelieved, but you can still be a part of what God is up to in the world, even if you say, yeah, I've seen God do great things, I know the story, but sometimes I I do, I struggle to fully believe. (laughs) Listen, listen, listen. Everybody, everybody struggled to believe. In this story and all through scripture, everybody, but that doesn't stop God from doing what God planned to do, to bless the world with Jesus, which is what we celebrate at Christmas, at Christmas. So that was Zechariah, and now we move in the reading of the scripture, and we would move ahead uh, Um, Like Heidi and Liz read earlier, we see that God sends Gabriel now over to Nazareth and sends Gabriel to a virgin named, anyone? Mary. 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 See, most people know that name. Most of us know her name. Isn't that kind of interesting? I just stop and think about that and go, think about this. There was an obscure story told in a weird kind of place in the world that we would not even know if it exists if not for this story place you never would have heard of a long time ago and everybody in this room and probably the majority of the people on the planet know who the mother of Jesus is that it's Mary it's an it's an enduring story that stretches whether we follow Jesus or not for some reason 2,000 years later we still know about this story The angel goes to Mary, says, Mary, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus, and he will be very great, very great. And some of us might even look at that and go, huh, interesting, very great. Well, here's what very great. Very great is Bible language for famous, right? Jesus is going to be famous. It's like nobody knows your family right now, but Mary, your son is going to be famous. And not just famous, famous forever. And so 2,000 years ago and 2,000 years now later, Jesus is still famous. He is very great. He is known Um, So the story endures. The story sticks around. We know who Mary is. We know who Joseph is. And some of us even so going, wow, that is kind of an enduring story. That might mean something. And some of us may be like, oh, yeah, 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 I've heard the story. Yep, it's impressive that lots of people know who Mary is. And then lots of people, 2,000 years later, 
know Jesus, he's, he's famous, but I still, I still struggle to fully believe. Now, if we get back over to the story, let's, like, let's just be kind of real about this here. Um, Mary's amazing. She's an incredible character, but she has doubts as well. Even though she also gets the benefit of an angel telling her this incredible message, it's like she can't really help herself on this one. So I kind of hear, picture her hearing the news, what the angel says to her, kind of have a picture. Maybe she raises her hand and she says this, uh, um, but, 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 but um, how? <laughs> like pause even, how? How? Like how can this be? And again, I just, I love the Bible. So honest, so real about what's going on. Mary's almost saying in this, like, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, I, I want to believe. I mean, yes, there's an angel telling me, but how will this be, Mary said, since I am a, a virgin? See, Mary had doubts right there, um, and it's a reasonable question. She asks a good question, not sure that the response fully explains it, but the angel replies, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, huh? And the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child. And this angel is not quite as diplomatic as Zechariah. Have a child in her old age, she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month and hear this, for no word from God will ever fail. Even if you have doubts, even if you find it hard to believe, the story will happen. The story continues and will continue to be woven together with characters who find it hard to believe, who have some doubts or many doubts. And as the angel says right here, it doesn't matter because no word from God will ever fail. No plan of God, no purpose of God will ever fail. See, that statement from the angel actually, I think, takes pressure off of you and off of me because the story of all stories is not dependent on people who don't have any questions. God is bigger than our questions. God's not upset by my questions. It's okay to have questions. Like, it's okay to be real about your doubt. You don't have to have it all buttoned up to decide to, okay, now I'm finally good enough to follow Jesus. I get it enough. Listen, everybody struggles to believe. It's normal. Again, God is not put off or offended. You don't have to fake like you believe more than you do or know more than you do. I mean, listen, if God is God, then he knows already where we struggle to believe. And he's not put off. He's not Mad, you can be honest about your struggles to trust and believe. You don't have to hide that. At least around this church, you don't have to hide that. You can be in process. And we make it a goal here not to fix people with a bunch of answers. And we do think, like, there are some answers um, because, because there are things that we do need to know. But answers are not the goal right away because... Um, the, the, the faith, true faith, through true relationship with God doesn't come alone through answers. It doesn't just come through having enough knowledge. It helps, right? But, but faith, if it's going to be deeper, if it's going to be real, has to be more than just based on knowledge and answers alone, which again means it's okay 
sometimes to not know an answer. It's okay to wonder. It's okay to doubt. Even Mary, even Mary asked how. Even Mary asked how. So listen, if, even if you don't believe perfectly, God wants to partner with you. With those of you that have faith, that those that lose faith, regain faith, or have no faith, no word of the Lord will ever fail, says the angel. Now, Mary asks a question, the angel gives, uh, I don't know, it was an answer, just makes a statement. <laughs> Did you notice there, though, that Mary asked this question, so she says, how? But it doesn't fully get answered, right? And then, next, she doesn't do the follow. She actually just, listen to how she responds. Here's her response. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be done to me according to your word, just as you say. Like, she didn't get all the answers to her questions. The angel doesn't explain what all that means and how it's going to unfold, yet she responds, not with perfect faith. They can answer all the questions and explain everything satisfactorily. No, no, no. Not perfect faith. She responds with willing faith. Willing to trust. A faith that says what she says when she says, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be done unto me. In other words, she's saying, Listen, I would love to understand it all, but I don't understand it all. But I've heard enough to say I trust enough, which is not full trust. I just trust enough to say, God, your will be done. Thy will be done. Whether I understand it or not, I am willing. I'm the Lord's servant, is her phrase. She's saying, yes, yes, Lord. And, and then Luke tells us, the angel left her. We read on, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they have their baby John, and eventually Joseph and Mary have their baby Jesus as well. And that's the Christmas story that we've been telling this morning. But see, friends, the story, the story of all stories, it's a messy story. It's not all clean and pristine. It's not sterile and sanitized, it's not uh, perfect and doubt-free. See, none of the characters respond with perfect faith. My wife Heidi and I, we were sitting around last night, and, and she said, she goes, actually, that's what makes it believable. That's what makes it believable. And, like, you wouldn't write a story this messy if you were just making something up. If you were making it up, you'd just, like, clean up all the doubts and line the pages with perfect people sounding religious, you know, spouting off religious cliches. So the story, it is, it's messy. It's filled with imperfect people, which reminds us that it's pretty normal to doubt and, and not be able to perfectly answer every question about Jesus or the story of Jesus. But here's the deal. Even in the midst of being okay with having questions, the story of Jesus does invite us to respond. Because if this um, story is true, and even maybe mostly true, or not mostly true, uh, we, we believe, mostly believe that it's true. If we believe that it's true at all, then this story changes everything. Because this is really good news. It's really good news. Andy Stanley made a great statement. He, he says this. He says, here's why the gospel is good news. 
Because God loves you when you believe, and God loves you when you can't believe, and God loves us as we come to believe, and God will love you if you never believe. See, that's the idea of God as a good father. Better than any father on earth, especially because we have bad examples. God is a good father, the perfect father. And like every good father and mother, God loved you before you were old enough or ready enough to believe anything. And see, that's good news for all people on whom his favor rests. So, how do you choose to respond today? How do you respond to this? Now, when I talk about things like faith, and sometimes people hear the word faith, and then they think their real faith means perfect faith with no questions, and so they don't think they have enough faith to respond and actually make a decision about following Jesus or not. But, 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 but listen, if, if we needed perfect faith to even just get started in following Jesus, heck, if we need perfect faith to keep following Jesus, we'd all be in trouble because I don't know that that exists. Like, when do I get to a place of having enough faith or perfect faith? Like, I'm skeptical if that quantifiably exists. Like, that, if that's the criteria, I don't think so. In fact, sometimes I hear the word faith, and it's kind of a slippery word. It's hard to grasp. I'm not always sure for sure exactly what it means, even though I could define it. Um, but if you ever struggle with that, like I sometimes do, listen, the faith and trust, faith and trust, faith and trust are essentially the same thing. You don't need to have perfect faith or perfect trust. And like Mary, we just need to have Willing trust, the, the, the kind of trust where we're just willing to open ourselves up and say yes to God. And this is whether you've never said yes to God to start a relationship or you've been walking with him a long time. Willing faith is the kind of trust where we're willing in our life to open ourselves up and say yes to God despite the unknowns and invite Jesus to lead our lives to lead us we want to follow him he will lead us and this story of all stories is an invitation really think about the idea of birth it's an invitation for the life of god to come alive in you just like mary and just like mary it starts simply with willing faith not perfect faith not perfect trust willing faith Willing trust. So, are you willing? Are you willing? And specifically, if you've not made ever the decision to say yes to following Jesus, or maybe it's been a long time or you haven't been following Jesus, wouldn't Christmas just be the perfect time to say yes to Jesus and to start doing that? And you can actually begin that journey right now. You can begin. You can say yes to Jesus. And if you want to make that decision, if your response is that you want to say yes to Jesus, uh, it can start with a, a simple prayer. As simple as the one uh, on the screen here. Jesus, I say yes to you. I give my life to you. Forgive me. 
I choose to follow you, Jesus. Come and live with me and within me. And he will. He will. In fact, I'm going to pray that again. And if that's your desire to say yes to Jesus and to begin following him, I'm just going to pray that again. And you can pray with me out loud or in your heart silently. Jesus, I say yes to you. I give my life to you. Forgive me. I choose to follow you. Come and live with me and within me. And friends, um, you will. You will. Amen? Amen. Hey, if you did make that decision today, uh, we had a couple more things we're going to do here, but when we're done, there's a, an area, a couch in the back, on that back wall, there's a couch back there, and uh, a few of us are going to be back there, and if you decided to pray to start following Jesus, we want to meet you back there after the service and, and pray with you. So when we're done and everybody's leaving after the candle lighting, just come on over there, and a couple of us would love to, to talk to you, pray with you. Um, and by the way, if you prayed that prayer, like, congratulations. That's a great place to start. It's a great place to start your walk with God.